This is the EWN Podcast Network. Everybody wants to win. It's how we define success in life. Michelle Nagel explores resilience, teaches you happiness hacks, and provides tools for building positive relationships, all of which are essential for winning at the game of life. Join us to learn how to roar. Welcome. Thanks for coming back to Roar to Win. I'm your host, Michelle Nagel, and our guest today is Tina Ebert, who is the founder and CEO of Claim the Lead, a personal leadership company based in Denver, Colorado. Tina has a master's degree in clinical psychology, is dually licensed as a marriage and family therapist and addictions counselor, and a certified conversational intelligence coach for executives and leaders. So, Tina, I'm so glad that you came to join us today. Thank you. You're welcome, Michelle. Thank you very much for having me. So, you've got quite a a wide variety of credentials here. I'm really excited to hear how serving as a life and and personal leadership coach for women in business, what led you in that direction? Wow. I always have to take a deep breath when I'm asked that question because it's like, where do I start? It's... It's really an accumulation, Michelle, of all of my personal experience and professional experience, I think, to date. (laughs) I really have come to the conclusion that in order to be a leader, it starts with your own self-leadership. And as a licensed professional counselor, licensed marriage and family therapist, which I worked as a professional licensed marriage family therapist for a long time. I don't anymore, but it all came back to really healing the relationship with yourself, really going inward and claiming the lead for lack of a better word of like getting in the driver's seat of your life. Mm-hmm. So now I really enjoy working with women in business who are really success driven. You know, they could be entrepreneurs or founders of their own company or even a VP of a corporation. Mm-hmm. But what I found is they come to me when they've perhaps been let go or they're really struggling to manage their lives, manage their time and their energy and their relationships because they have moved away from knowing themselves. You know, they're managing their lives by all the things they feel they should do and all the demands that they're that are being placed on them whether it's from their clients from the company from their families from their spouses so it all comes back to the foundation of your own self leadership your own personal leadership and how you want to claim the lead in your life in all areas that's really wonderful because I was actually going to, I wrote down self-leadership because I wanted you to explain that. You did that really well. Um, so we, so I guess uh, the phrase that you're shooting all over yourself is, would be applicable to what you're talking about. Yeah. And I think that sometimes we really need to do what we should do. And this is coming from a recent activity that I was just doing yesterday. I was I'm really a geek on productivity and I was writing out a to-do list like we all do. And the to-do lists we usually have are a bunch of tasks that aren't really critically important. Uh So then when I make another list of all the things I should do, those are the things that I should do in order to keep growing, in order to move the needle in my business, in order to feel good about myself. I think though that so many of us get caught in 
you know, this is what I should do in order to feel validated by this person that I feel in my mind is important. And we do that so much that our focus is all outside of us. So yeah. we're seeking uh, a feeling of belonging by always having our energy go outside of ourselves. We're trying to feel a sense of trust by looking outside of ourselves. We're trying to find happiness outside of ourselves. <laughs> and so we're doing all the things we think we should do, but um, we never feel fulfilled at the end of the day until we turn our, maybe our self-centeredness into self-leadership. And we find that sense of belonging within ourselves. We find that sense of trust within ourselves. We find happiness within ourselves. How do we get to the point where everybody else is more important than we are? <laughs> where do we get to the point where everyone's more important than we are? Say more. How do we do that? I mean, it's how do you imagine that we have gotten to the point that we put everybody else in front of our own needs and wants? Like we do everything that everybody else thinks we should do. We become who people think we should be. And there's all those those things that, like you said, we're living outside of ourselves and we're not putting our own desires and, and wants and needs because that's selfish, of course. So we're not doing that. How do we get to the point of where um, the only thing we focus on is what's on outside instead of what's inside? Yeah, you know, I have a theory about that and it's from my own experience. I was probably five years old and... I was a really curious kid. I was full of life, like most five-year-olds are. You know, I was really interested in exploring the world and exploring myself. And I remember quite vividly, you know, bopping into the kitchen where my mom and my sister, I have an older sister, she's two years older, and she turned and looked at me and she said, you are so self-centered. And then my mom looked at me in agreement. And I was five years old, Michelle. I mean, wow. a five-year-old is not self-centered. Like the world revolved around me. I, I, that was, that's how you are at five. And at, at that moment, I shut down. And mm -hmm. moving forward, I did everything possible to never be viewed as being self-centered. So my needs were not important. I became so overly focused on making sure everyone else was okay so I could be okay. And so when I go full circle all the way to present time in my late 40s, the antidote to that is self-leadership. And it's, again, not going outside of ourselves to find purpose and belonging and happiness and trust, but first having that emotional core and having that sense that within ourselves I think culturally, too, we're so focused on being self-centered, being independent, being self-reliant. And there is a benefit to that, but not to the point where you don't feel okay having needs or you think that, you know, being self-centered is narcissistic. And, of course, those are characteristics. Uh, but for me, I, I did not want to be that my biggest fear was, again, being called out to being self-centered. And so I went through life focusing outside myself for validation that I was a good person and that I was anything but that. Well, I'm really, really impressed that you have such clarity around the moment when you shut down at age five. 
Um, most of us are not that self-aware. Did it take you a while to figure that out or do you, have you always remembered that moment? You know, that moment has come back to me many times and it wasn't until recently that I was asked to do a talk on you know, being inspiring. And I'm like, what, what could I talk about? I could talk about all kinds of things that I've learned about managing my time and energy, but that doesn't feel vulnerable enough, you know? And, and I just recently had a dream again of that moment in time when I shut down and how everything really in my life has been an illustration of how I've managed that. I mean, from, you know, choosing to do a sport when I was younger, I, I was a gymnast. Now gymnasts are judged. And although it's a team sport, it's an individual sport. So I put myself in a position where I was judged. I could never be good enough. I could never be good enough unless I got a score of a 10. Well, that's pretty rare. Mm -hmm. I was in relationship after relationship with men who were very self-centered, narcissistic, perhaps. Mm -hmm. um, I... I just lived a life where I ran away. Uh, I went to Alaska for a decade in my 20s because it's okay to be lost in Alaska. You know, there's just so many things I did in my life that were really about avoiding the fear of being called self-centered, you know, wow. over-accommodating, giving way too much, saying yes when I really meant no. And as I've done more of my inner work over the years, probably when I went to graduate school in clinical psychology is when a lot of it started because I had to do a lot of it for my profession. Uh, these memories started coming back and sort of tracing them back to when did I shut down? I mean, there's many times I've shut down, but that was a big one. Yeah. It was very significant. Yeah. Wow. wow that's, that's really amazing. Um, so in the formula of resilience, optimism, accountability, and resourcefulness, which do you think, or, or all of them, which of those, though, do you resonate most with how you have come to uh, look at self-leadership as being so important? Can you say what those stand for one more time? Resilience, optimism, mm -hmm. accountability, and resourcefulness. Resiliency and resourcefulness stand out to me the most. They're all tied together, uh -huh. for sure, as you know. Resiliency. Uh, every time I have fallen down and gotten back up, I have grown my ability to be more resilient. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a really important skill, if you will, or trait to have, because life can be challenging. We're always going to be throwing curveballs. Curve There's always going to be obstacles. And so how do we move through those obstacles. Resiliency is, is key. And that starts with really knowing yourself and knowing what do you do under stress, right? Mm -hmm. Knowing how you deal with stress is key and resourcefulness is part of that as well. Resources to me are the things that give you nourishment and strength. So when mm -hmm. you're going through a really difficult time, if you know the things that give you nourishment and strength and you can plug into them and embody them, then you're going to get through it easier than if you didn't know what your resources were, you know, when you feel like you have no choice. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So those two bookends, yeah, those are, they're like bookends to optimism and accountability to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wonderful. Great. Um, and so at what point in your life did you finally figure out that you didn't want to continue living that way? 
Well, I think it's a daily thing still. I can really, if I don't have my personal success ritual, which, which is what I call it, and I don't have a good self-care and good self-awareness, I can easily slip into, you know, negative thinking, mm-hmm. getting down on myself, feeling bad. So it's still a daily thing, I would say, for me to choose my resources wisely. What are the things that give me nourishment and strength? What's the one thing I can do today to feel good about myself and make a difference in the world? And I ask myself those questions, I think, every day so that at the end of the day, when I lay down to go to sleep, I'm, I'm laying down and I've, I can experience my empowered self as opposed to my disempowered self, which is the self that I am very familiar with for a good majority of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is a process then. It's not something that you can just set, up, set your mind to and decide you're going to do it and all of a sudden, voila, there you are. <laughs> not for me. Uh, I think it gets easier and I think that when I fall down, it's quicker to get up and brush myself off and keep moving forward, right? But I, I grew up feeling like I always had to do it alone. So my, when I get under stress, my default is to retreat and isolate mm-hmm. and I have to catch myself. And part of my resources is to ask for support, get the right support in order to move forward. So yeah, I I think that it's, we can build that muscle, we can build our resiliency, but be careful not to get complacent. Like don't get too comfortable. (laughs) I think that every day I get a little uncomfortable because then I know that I'm continuing to learn and to grow. And that truly is claiming the lead and that ability to self to master, you know, personal leadership in your life. Right. When we become too comfortable, it's sometimes it's actually becoming unconscious, I think. Yeah. Because, um, you know, things are perhaps running smoothly or even if they're not running smoothly, it just, it's the status quo. It's what we're familiar with. And so familiarity um, oftentimes does make it so that we just become unconscious and move through our lives on a day-to-day basis without paying any attention. Yeah, we kind of go on autopilot. Right. So how do you determine whether you're just living your life or if you're claiming your lead? For me, I ask myself how I'm feeling. It's an emotional check-in. Mm-hmm. So I know that I'm claiming the lead, Michelle, if I am feeling like I have a sense of control over how I want to feel mm-hmm. and I have choice. So it's not that I have days that are difficult and I feel bad, but I, I know that I have a choice to shift that, to change that, that I'm in the driver's seat and I get to say where I want to go and how long it'll take me to get there, etc. So that's one of the biggest differences. And I, always challenge my clients to to consider how do you want to feel because how you feel is going to determine what you think and how you show up and the impact that you make in the world yes the lead is 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 really you know it seems so basic right but yeah how do you want to feel i mean most people want to feel good but right. we can really stay stuck if we keep telling the same old story. We're not where we want to be if we keep telling that same old story and we're stuck. And there you're not claiming the lead. You're in the back seat 
or maybe you're in the trunk <laughs> or in your passenger seat and you're complaining about it because you don't have any control over where you're going. So how do you um, define the difference between control over the way you feel versus control over what's actually happening in your life? I don't know if I feel there's a difference. I think that a lot of us feel out of control many times. So we develop behaviors to try to manage that. And control to me is, I mean, there's always going to be uncertainty. You're always going to have a little, a sense of not always being control. I mean, there's, I guess I should say there are definitely things in life that we do not have control of that are outside of our control that may feel critically important, but if we keep focusing on them, we're going to get overwhelmed and frustrated because we can't change the things that are outside of our control. So when we're able to identify the things that are within our control, then we can prioritize those. Right. And then we can decide what is it that I should do today mm -hmm. that will help me feel the best that I can feel so that I can claim the lead in my life. So I can feel like I have a sense of control over how I feel and where I go and what I do and how I show up. Right. So there's a, a formula that I teach people, which is E plus R equals O, which is the event plus your response to that event equals the outcome that you get. And um, I, it's, there are things that are outside of our control, but the one thing that we can control is the way we respond to it, the way we feel about it, what we think about it. And that's what gives us power and makes us have the opportunity to be able to move on to that self-mastery that you're talking about or the self-leadership. Yeah, and I also think that another R is resistance, which is also fear. So mm -hmm. if we're not aware of what our biggest fears are or what, that we're even resisting, then we're going to feel a lot like we're out of control mm -hmm. and we're going to feel stuck and we're going to feel frustrated and we're going to feel disempowered. Well, fear is, ends up being paralysis in most cases. So you wouldn't be able to have an empowered life that way. Um, so, so how do we improve our um, self-management and um, self-leadership? How do we improve that? Well, aside from this process of really knowing yourself, I think the first step is to know what your biggest fears are. Know what can really get in your way. Now, fear can sometimes be a good thing, right? It can be something that motivates us and moves us forward. Right. It can be a catalyst for change. But the big fears are the ones that you said can put us in paralysis and stop us from moving forward. And in order to embrace change, in order to follow our inspiration, we have to breathe away fear. And the top 10 fears are failure, death, rejection, ridicule, loneliness, misery, disappointment, pain, the unknown, and, and losing one's freedom. So I always work with my clients around really being able to identify what your biggest fears are, where do they come from, you know, why, why do they make sense or not make sense? How are they holding you back? And, and how do we address them? Mm -hmm. And just by facing our fear, I love your method, maybe with the, through the roar perspective, you know, it's like we can get on top of it and we don't feel like it's controlling our lives. We can use it and breathe away to be able to identify more of who we are at our core. 
Yes. Um, thank you. And we're going to take a small break right now. And then when we come back, we'll continue talking to Tina Evert, who is the founder and CEO of Claim the Lead. And she's given us some really great points on how we can claim our self-leadership and, and uh, determine what our personal leadership is and have a, a better life. We'll be right back in a minute. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? <laughs> I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating $1 million in annual revenue. So, here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven-module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Welcome back. This is Michelle Nagel with Roar to Win. And we're having a guest today who's Tina Ebert. And she's, we're having a great time, actually. She's telling us some really important things about how we can have self-leadership in our lives, which will help us in our personal and professional life and will help you manage your energy time and resources. So, Tina, um, I really appreciated where you just said just a, a minute ago the things that we can do to be able to um, begin with the self-leadership. Can you tell me a little bit, what part does blaming and complaining and um, a feeling of helplessness and hopelessness. What part does that play in our unhappiness in our lives? Well, I think it plays into our unhappiness in life, for sure. When we're caught in blaming others for how we feel, especially if it's a feeling that we don't like, like frustration, anger, sadness, then we're not taking ownership of how we feel. We're not taking accountability for how we feel. And we're not feeling like we have any control over changing that. So all of our energy is going outside of ourselves. And it's really the opposite of self-leadership. It's more of being less aware, maybe even self-centered, right? As you're projecting, blaming, pushing everything outside of yourself to find resolution. Wow, yeah. So I have... Uh I come across many times people who have had really painful things happen in their lives and it's always somebody else's fault. So the taking the opportunity to go, what part did I have in that? What did I play in that? Because it may be their choice that allowed you to suffer whatever it was that you suffered. It could be mostly theirs, but there has to be something that we each play with our, our interactions with one another that, that make it so that it's kind of a bit difficult for us to say it's all one person's fault. In any relationship, there are at least two people 
who are contributing to what's going on. Right. And I think that it's also important that when we get caught in blame, we're usually in a state of feeling pretty angry. And it's really important to be able to work through your anger mm -hmm. and be able to sit with it. And right, we talk about that in the work that you do. And if we keep blaming it, we keep throwing our blame out, it's not going to get resolved within us. And then if we keep turning our blame within ourselves and we feel shame, it's not going to get resolved within us. Mm -hmm. So it's a sign, it's a symptom that we need to turn, our, turn inward and get some support so that we can work on becoming more resilient. We can tap into that optimism. We can be accountable mm -hmm. and we can be resourced. Yeah. So you have five steps to your personal leadership mastery. Could you share those with us? Yeah, the first one I mentioned a little a little while ago, which was fear, you know, step number one is really being able to identify your biggest fear, the thing that's holding you back. Because the only reason that we don't have what we want in life is really that story that we keep telling ourselves about why we don't deserve it. And fear will keep us caught in that, that pattern of maybe it's blaming, but knowing what your biggest fear is. And then number two is um, exercise I teach called clearing off your mental desk. And it has to do with what we spoke about earlier, too, which is control. So mm -hmm. it's a process of really getting uh, all of the cluttered thoughts out of your mind so that you can work more efficiently. So you can really get clear on the things in your life that are outside of your control and let them go. And what are the things that are within your control? And what are the things in your life that are the most important that are within your control? And then being able to prioritize those so that you can focus your attention on the right things. And being able to focus our attention on the right things is what helps us build that resiliency and helps us stay emotionally healthy and really centered and connected with ourselves. And you know, it's interesting, as I brought up the, I think we were talking about self-centeredness earlier. Think about it. It's like this process of, of personal leadership mastery. It's like being able to be so centered within ourselves. So it's like a positive spin on this word in our language of being self-centered, which has such a negative connotation to it, but it's really about being centered and grounded within who you are and leading from there. So this leads to the third step, which is about uncovering your purpose. You know, being connected to something greater than yourself, really diving into why are you here? What is it that you're good at and passionate about? What mm -hmm. value want to, do you want to bring to the world? What kind of impact do you want to make? So that whole self-discovery process of really being connected to your why, to your purpose is essential. If you don't know that, then it's going to be really hard to be a leader mm -hmm. because you won't know how to motivate people or inspire them. They need to know why they're following you or why they're doing what they're doing. This is if you're you know, in a leadership role, say, within a company, but even personal leadership. Mm -hmm. what, why are you doing what you're doing every day? That's going to help you get up in the morning and feel inspired, not just motivated, but that inspiration from the inside. Right. And, and it's also important to know where you're going as well. Yeah, right. Well, when you're in the driver's seat, you hopefully know where you are and where you want to go and the path you're going to get there. And if you get lost, you have the resources mm -hmm. uh, to get back on course quickly. So you don't all of a sudden end up, you're trying to go to Maine 
and you end up in California and it's a decade later and you realize you're not in the place you wanted to be. <laughs> That's that yeah. automatic pilot we talked about earlier and not being conscious. Yes. That can happen. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, and then and then the fourth step is defining your power. Mm-hmm. So this is really interesting. I often ask women to define or just give themselves a number because power unused is power useless. So think of a continuum from one to 10. One is I don't feel connected with even the idea of power. I don't seek it. I don't own it. I don't even value it. And 10 would be that you love power. You want it and you fully own it. And then, of course, everything in between is a variation of that. And just getting a sense of where you place yourself and getting a sense of why you chose that number. Because a lot of us have a negative experience when we hear the word power because so often in our culture it's in our history power means brute force or power over something or someone it has a negative uh feeling to it. yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah and, and i like to use a hammer as a good metaphor to explain power uh-huh. power is actually amorphous so it becomes what you make of it right yes you can build with it or you can tear things apart with it right and we can change our relationship certainly with power to power to power to is leadership power over implies forcing or denying power to is about solving problems making life better for yourself and others in the world and it's about influencing and innovating and it's about the power of possibilities so power over makes you feel or yeah power over is what makes you feel powerless and power to lets you feel powerful well so that relationship yeah, that relationship with power is a big part of the work that I do in leadership. And then the last one is really eliminating what is draining your energy, which I call those energy robbers. Mm-hmm. Being able to plug a leak on what's draining your energy really helps you reclaim your energy, own your time, and own your power. So just looking at all the things that distract us, that interrupt us, that drain you. And then when you're drained, what do we do? We blame others. We're wasting our time (laughs) for taking our power away when really we're giving it away. So it's really essential that we're able to look at the way that we're draining our energy. And I like to think of a, like I tell my clients, your energy shouldn't be like a sprinkler system where it's just going out and not being recycled. It's more like a fountain where Uh you're in a process of giving and receiving. Hmm. Wow, that's great. Yeah, because (laughs) as you said that, I had to laugh. I call those um, unfinished business. And um, you're talking about energy drain as I look around my office and going, hmm, guess what I'm going to have to do today? (laughs) Clean my office up. (laughs) Um, Because it really does. And we don't think of that as things like that as like, where's my energy going? Well, my energy is going into every time I walk into my office, there's this energy drain of, oh my gosh, my office is such a mess. Whereas if I take care of that, then I don't have that kind of response. We don't think about little things like that as being things that drain our energy. Or maybe you walk into the bathroom and there's a drawer pull or something that you haven't dealt with it, or a drawer that's stuck or something. That's an energy drain. Yeah. Even well, when your, desk, when your desk is all cluttered, it doesn't allow you to work very efficiently. And it's the same when your mind is cluttered with a bunch of thoughts. Absolutely. Coming back to what can I control and what you can control is just getting more organized and cleaned up so that you can focus. And I found that to be 
I, I, I don't know. I guess it's become part of my lifestyle where I'm not a neat freak, but I need things in order mm-hmm. um, so that I feel like I have the best use of my energy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people have a snarky little voice in the back of their head that is telling them that uh, all of these things that you're talking about, the five steps to personal leadership mastery, are just fine, but they won't make any difference and you really can't change your life. How do you get past that snarky little voice and where do you think it comes from? Hmm. Well, I think how you get past it is not by trying to push it aside necessarily, like not resisting it, like mm-hmm. welcoming it, I think, for a moment so that you can, this is going to sound weird, but embrace it. I think the more we battle that, the more we say, oh, I can't listen to that. Go away, go away, go away. The bigger it gets, the louder it gets, mm-hmm. the more it keeps um, coming back. So confronting it, I think, is really important. And where does it come from? Well, it probably comes from somewhere in your upbringing. <laughs> Somewhere where you are at a, an age where you didn't have the development yet to know that if something was said to you that was quite negative, you're going to internalize it. Mm-hmm. And I also have to say that it's, it's human nature that when we are expanding and growing as people, we are going to be pushed to the edge of our, you know, getting out of our comfort zone. And we, we can either develop the skills to continue to expand our growing edge, or we can run back to home base where we're comfortable and maybe even complacent. Mm -hmm. So we have to learn how to manage. I'm trying to think of a better word than that. Those negative thoughts in our head that keep coming up and we have to develop the muscle and the mindset and the focus to keep moving forward and the support to keep growing our edge. And it, it doesn't come, I mean, I don't, I didn't learn this necessarily in school. I mean, it's, a, it's part of like just life experience, knowing yourself and knowing what you need to keep learning and growing. And that's what personal leadership development is, both personally and professionally. You talk to people that are very successful in their career and they can't separate the personal from the professional. Mm-hmm. If they are, then there's something wrong. There's something off. There's usually a part of their life that they're not happy with at all. And a lot of times, and this is my bias because I was a marriage and family therapist for years, it's their marriage. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So um, how do, uh, you're talking about having control over your life or the way you feel and, and things like that. And that, you know, we being a leader, we think of being a leader in business settings all the time. That's just a word that, automatically goes into the business setting. There's always got to be a leader. There's always got to be a follower. Um, How does that apply to interpersonal relationships? Because if you've got two people and they're both strong personalities, how do they, how do they do this dance of power versus a power to rather than power over? That's a great question. So I'm thinking about romantic relationships. Is that what you're referring to? Like interpersonal, like, um, yeah, yeah. Two people can be in their power. What's most important to navigate that is, so there's going to be a give and take in an intimate partner relationship. So there's not just one person who is power over 
power too. And in order to have a healthy dynamic of power, you have to know what your relationship requirements are, which are your non-negotiables, and they have to be in alignment. Mm -hmm. So your values have to be aligned. Your purpose needs to be, and your ideas need to be supported by your partner. So you don't have to shrink, right, and be someone you're not. Mm -hmm. You need to know what your needs are, and you be, need to be able to advocate for what you need. Now, it's not that your partner is responsible for meeting all of your emotional and functional needs, but if you don't even know what you need, then you're going to get caught in that blame game mm -hmm. because you're not going to feel empowered enough to get your needs met, no matter how basic they are. And your functional needs are the things that just need to happen day to day for you to be in harmony with that person. Mm -hmm. And your emotional needs are the things that need to happen for you to feel loved in that relationship. And then knowing what your wants are, which are the icing on the cake. Mm -hmm. And the wants are important. And for me, they become important because if I'm not connected to what I want, you know, a want isn't necessarily going to make me happy. But if I can go on a vacation every year and, and really have some nice time to unplug, that's going to be icing on the cake. That is going to take me out of survival mode. And a lot of us can operate in survival mode 24-7, and that is not sustainable for feeling in control of our lives or in our own power. Mm -hmm. So it requires a high level of communication. Conversation is what makes relationships. And it comes back to each person really knowing their purpose, trusting the other person, feeling that they belong, and feeling that they are responsible for their own happiness and they are committed and devoted to the happiness of the relationship. That's not an easy thing. Mm -hmm. No, not really. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because oftentimes we do get into the, we get hang into the, uh, the power over. I want to be the one in control of the relationship. I want to be in the driver's seat. I don't want to share it. Um, it's difficult sometimes, uh, especially if we're, if we're used to being a leader in the traditional sense of leadership. So tell me about boundaries. How do they work with uh, being in a professional setting and also in a personal setting as far as well, leadership? Yeah, we need boundaries for sure. And in order to have strong, healthy boundaries, we have to be able to be centered and grounded within ourselves. Mm -hmm. And when we are not, then we can have dispersed boundaries that can cause us to get too involved in other people's issues or have people lean on us too much. And so we can be too caring and have too much candor that can put things out of balance. Mm -hmm. And boundaries is a big topic, but it's, it's really being able to know who you are and, and feeling strong in your ability to advocate for yourself and also in relationships, be in a relationship professionally or personally where your ideas are supported. Mm -hmm. So it's possible to, um, to have boundaries or it's actually, I would think important to have boundaries. I, I'm specifically thinking of people who are naturally nurturers, they oftentimes want to take care of everybody, including their, like their leadership team or their, their team in their business. And they get involved in the personal life too much. 
It, have you found that that's the case? Yeah, that's certainly one scenario. And as a leader, one of the characteristics of a good leader is being able to delegate. And in order to delegate, you, if you're in, if, let's say you're running a company or you're, you have people that are your followers, you know, you're, they're reporting to you, the more you know each of those people, the better you're able to delegate because you can delegate something that this person is good at and this other person is not so good at. And being able to delegate helps you to take a step back and maintain strong boundaries. And if you're overly nurturing, then I think you have to look at why do you feel the need to give so much? And often the case is when we give and we feel needed, we feel like it gives us value. Mm -hmm. And then again, as a false sense of your value, you're already valuable. It's not about how much you give or how much you're needed that gives you value. So I would say that that type of leader would lose their effect and the effectiveness and their impact over time because they're not able to delegate in a way that's most beneficial to the whole team. Mm -hmm. And the same with family, right? All families have a hierarchy. And so who's in charge? You know, typically somebody will say, you know, one of the parents is in charge or maybe both parents are in charge. But if the kids are in charge, there's a lot of chaos. <laughs> so yeah. leadership can be applied to a family system. It's just how does that system operate in harmony where everyone gets shared power? And it's just not power over. And that's, that's like traditional authoritarian leadership. It's mm -hmm. still out there everywhere, but it doesn't work very well. It doesn't no. build trust. It doesn't allow someone to feel like they belong. There's no real purpose connected to it. And it doesn't lead to happiness. No, that's true. It certainly doesn't. So tell us, uh, do you have an offer or anything that you would like to give our listeners? Yeah, I have a couple things that, I have a lot of things actually on my website that are free. Uh, there is a really cool, your inner advantage personal leadership assessment. It'll help you assess how strong your personal leadership is. I also have a workbook that lines out the five steps to personal leadership mastery that I briefly mentioned in our conversation today. And I also have a podcast, Claim the Lead. But if you go to my website, which is tinaevert.com, you can access everything. And I spell my first name, T-E-E-N-A, and then E-V-E-R-T.com. And I apologize. I've obviously been pronouncing your name wrong the entire time. Because um, I kept calling it Evert instead of Evert. Um, so I really appreciate that you have given us the benefit of all of your knowledge and experience. And I, I really appreciate that, that Claim the Lead, you know, to me, when I first heard it, I was thinking that it was all focused on the business world. But it's focused on helping us become better as individuals, which benefits us in every aspect of our lives. And, right. I, and I really appreciate that you've pointed that out to us, that you've shown us that. And so for our listeners, um, Tina is a life and personal leadership coach for women in business who helps her clients find solutions and relief from fatigue and frustration, chronic stress and struggle from trying to balance a personal and professional life 
managing one's energy, time, and resources, poor self-management, time management, and productivity. So, Tina, a lot of us are completely overwhelmed all the time. Do you have, like, maybe one simple suggestion of how we can begin to no longer be that way? (laughs) One of my mentors, business mentors, said something to me that was so profound that I'd like to share, and that is... He told me that there's two things I should be doing with my time and energy. Number one is to do what I'm not only really good at, but really passionate about that adds massive value to others and a generous income to me. Mm -hmm. And so figuring out what that is, is the journey. But once you figure that out, then the second thing that you do with your time is when you're not doing that, you completely unplug and you relax so you can rejuvenate and get your energy back. And that has helped me to focus my attention on the right things. Just because you're good at something doesn't mean you should be doing it. Ask yourself, are you passionate about it? Does it add value to others? And does it allow you to make an income? We all need an income. <laughs> and you unplug and relax and rejuvenate. Most women I talk to say, oh, I'm good at the doing. I got that down, but I don't know how to unplug. Yeah, that's a real serious problem. I mean, that's the people that are glued to their computer and their phone. One of the biggest things that I find difficult to do is if I'm going to have a conversation with somebody to actually not look at my phone. So I don't take my phone with me. I'll leave it in my car or someplace else so that I'm not distracted by that. And maybe with vacations, we need to, when we totally unplug, we need to leave all the electronics home. Yeah, uh, I think that it's interesting that we define vacation now by not being on our phone, by (laughs) not being plugged in, by not being distracted and interrupted by those things. Right. Because we are constantly, even in meetings, people are checking their email five times in an hour meeting or emailing, you know, multitasking. Yeah. you know, all that stuff pulls us away from our center. So there's so, I, I love, I'm such a geek these days of how do I best manage my time and my energy and my relationships? Because when I don't feel like I'm able to manage them or I don't have any kind of flexibility, adaptability, resiliency around that, I feel out of control and all my energy goes out to try to self-regulate and I'm self-centered. I'm not self-aware. So it's a process. It's it's total life process. Wow. Yeah. I, I, so I'm really impressed by the self-centered and not self-aware. So that again comes back to the, um, the accusation that you received that you were self-centered when you were five. Um, and that's an important distinction, self-centered versus self-aware and yet we want to be centered. <laughs> so that's, that's a trick. And that's what you teach us how to do, right? Is how to figure yeah, out. And, and part of being self-aware is you develop empathy. Mm-hmm. And you have to have empathy in order to have great connections and build relationships and have a life where you are prioritizing those things, not only to help you succeed, but just to be happy. Mm-hmm. Know, a lot of us are suffering from feeling lonely and so yeah self self-centeredness usually we aren't very empathetic it's all about us 
And right. at five, that's cool. But when you're an adult, it's not. It doesn't get you very far. No, it doesn't. I actually had somebody say to me, it's all about me when they did something that was excruciatingly painful to everybody else. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so I really, really, again, appreciate that you came to visit us and to have this conversation with us. So if you are interested, uh, Tina, her website is tinaevert.com, T-E-E-N-A-E-V-E-R-T.com. And check her out. She's got some really great things that would be really beneficial to all of us. And so thank you so much for coming to visit with us today, Tina. Thank you, Michelle. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Okay. Talk to you later. Thank you for joining us today as we learned happiness hacks, relationship tools, how to refuel our resilience batteries and perfect our roar. Resilience, optimism, accountability, and resourcefulness. Roar to win. I'm Sandra Yancey, CEO and founder of eWomen Network. We invite you to listen to all of our EWN podcast hosts at EWNpodcastnetwork.com. This is the EWN Podcast Network.